0: Hello friends, this morning I am back reading through John's gospel and today we are starting into John chapter 8 and so um, we're just reading the first uh, little bit of John chapter 8, so the first 11 verses. Technically this starts in John chapter 7 verse 53 but it's like five words and then then it moves into the next one. So um, yeah, so we're basically looking at uh I think a pretty famous story actually of a woman that's caught in adultery and she's brought um, before everyone and then uh, Jesus is asked to weigh in in uh with what to do with her um now I'm gonna note right up front uh, that this story um and if you check your your Bible you'll see notes all the time <laughs> I keep Mentioning that, go and look at the notes that are in your Bible. Um, this particular story, you'll get a note that'll say something like the most ancient authorities or the most ancient manuscripts do not include this particular text, or that it actually shows up in a different location in John, sometimes in some of the manuscripts. And, um, and then in a few cases, it actually shows up in the Gospel of Luke rather than in the Gospel of John. Um, so uh, what does that mean, um, and why might that be important? Uh, it's really likely that this is not necessarily original to John, um, but was inserted uh, at a later time. And so there are thousands and thousands of manuscripts of the New Testament, um, and they, uh, for the most part, they agree with one another Um, a lot or there's like minor like copying type errors things like that and there's just a couple of places like the ending of Mark is another one and this one where you have sort of these extended stories where you have a bunch of manuscripts not necessarily the oldest ones that have this story that had been put in at some point Um, now does that impact our reading it might a little it may impact how we read the overall gospel of John because this may not necessarily be addressed to the the first community of um that who were first reading John's gospel or or the um because it may have been written later it may have just been circulating around somewhat independently anyway so they might have had access to this story um the other thing to to keep in mind here it's not that this didn't happen right like that's um it's not that this is a made up story and then, and then it, uh, you know, got written later. It's likely, I think it's likely that this was um, passed down. Like this is, this took place, but an editor tried to figure out like, how do we, how do we put this into the story? Um, This may also tell us something about uh, the importance of this story. So it's, unlikely that this was like edited out and then put back in as in you know people were like actively suppressing it or something like that that's unlikely it's more likely I think that this story was circulating um, and it was so important and people found it to be uh, something that needed to be told that then it got put in so it almost like for me in a way elevates the importance of the story but it also might not Completely fit with the character of the overall Gospel of John. So, anyway, all that to say, uh, it's kind of it's an interesting story. There's some really, um, there's there's been lots of interpretation around this story. And there's some strange features about it, which I would need to go and look up, like, because these are just sort of initial thoughts. Anyway, let's dive in. Sorry, I had too much of a preface this morning for, uh, for this one. So here we go. Uh, this is John chapter, basically John chapter 8, first 11 verses, but just a few words from uh, the previous chapter to, to kick off the story. So then each of them went home while Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. And early in the morning, he came again to the temple. All the people came to him and he sat down and began to teach them. The scribes and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in adultery and making her stand before all of them. They said to him, teacher, this woman was caught in the very act of committing adultery. Now in the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women. Now what do you say? whoa okay so let's notice a couple of things here um the first thing is is let's notice the culture and the environment in which this is taking place she's caught in the very act of adultery let's notice that she is the only one brought in front of anybody right so she's but there's there's two parties involved here but um but it's only the woman brought in. So let's keep that in mind. Uh, the other thing is let's notice that she is brought in front of everyone in the temple in like in the temple courts. Um, so she is accused and they are ready to, um, enforce capital punishment, right? They're ready to kill her. Um, by throwing stones at her. Uh, let's also notice that it doesn't seem like there's been really any trial. Um, so this might be actually closer to like a community lynching, which is legitimized by, they are legitimizing that by citing the law that Moses commanded us to do stone such women. And, um, they even the way that's phrased it seems to be sort of saying you know women who are like this who cause problems who are sinning in this way so it's really set up as um a, a kind of like a model these are the these are the things that we should do to these kinds of of people who are committing these kinds of uh, crimes and um that it just—it sounds awful, doesn't it? Um, such women, like the commander, does to stone stone such women. It sounds awful. Um, so they don't just bring her in front of Jesus. They bring, make, they make her. It says, making her stand before all of them. They make her stand there um, in humiliation in front of all of them for for her to await um, what is going to happen. And they say to Jesus, "Now, what do you say?" And then we get this note in verse six. It says, "They said this to test him." So they're asking Jesus to test him, so that they might have some charge to bring against him. So this is, I guess, in keeping with where John's gospel has been going, even though this is a a later, likely a later edition. Um, and so they're still trying to find like a way to charge Jesus. So. How is this a test, right? So I guess they're suspecting that Jesus is going to say, you know, let her go, um, and, you know, that his compassion is going to outweigh what the law says and that that's going to be a problem because Jesus is now basically saying, like, he's already basically said, at least in their viewpoint, don't follow the Sabbath laws, um, and which which I don't think is quite what Jesus is trying to say. He I, I think he's more on the side of Sabbath as a gift, um, and but but we ought to be able to do things like heal and eat and celebrate and all those sorts of things on the Sabbath. Um, so anyway, he's already in their minds breaking that law and saying that's okay. Now what about this like capital punishment backed up by the law? How about this one, Jesus? Like, are you gonna also say? We don't have to follow this one um and so that that's i guess what the test is jesus then in still in verse six jesus bent down and wrote with his finger on the ground and uh, and he's going to write again with his finger on the ground and i don't really know what this means and i think there's been lots of speculation as to what did he write on the ground like why is he writing on the ground. And I'd have to go and do more research and come up with some kind of like conclusion to that. Um, So I encourage you to do that. Or maybe you've heard um, a sermon on it or maybe you've you've read about him him writing. I don't totally know what that's about. So I would have to go and look. Um, But it's kind of an interesting thing all of a sudden. Okay, Jesus bends down and writes with his finger on the ground. And that's his response. And then verse seven, when they kept on questioning him, he straightened up and said to them, let anyone among you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. So I don't know, was Jesus just, you know, collecting his thoughts while he wrote on the ground? Um, Don't know. But what I think is interesting that I'd kind of forgotten about, this jumped out at me today, is that it says when they kept questioning him, So they don't actually leave it alone, right? So they're like, okay, this is the situation. The law of Moses commands us to stone such women. Now, what do you say? And Jesus bends down, writes on the ground, delaying, doesn't respond. And it's interesting that they don't just go ahead and start throwing stones at her. They're actually waiting on Jesus, but they continue to question him when they kept on questioning him. So this... Are they doing this to actually, because they think it's the right thing to do, or are they doing this actually really as a way of trying to trap Jesus? Is this actually about trapping Jesus? Um, could be. Uh, and then he says, like this famous saying, let anyone among you who's without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. Um, uh, and he just leaves it at that. This is not Particularly typical of John's gospel, right? You'll notice in lots of other stories in John's gospel, Jesus will not just say uh, a one sentence kind of thing to silence his opponents. He usually uh, keeps talking and confuses them, and they ask questions, and he keeps talking. Um, and there's a long commentary in this story. It's actually much more similar to what we find in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, which is maybe why sometimes this, in some manuscripts, this is inserted in Luke's gospel. Is he just has The great one-liner that that stops everything. Let anyone among you who's without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. So if any of you like Jesus is actually equalizing sin, right? Like he's basically saying all of our all this all sins are actually equal. Um so you if if you're if you don't if you've never messed up, if you've never done anything wrong, then you go ahead and throw the first stone. And, and this is often the lesson that's sort of taken from this passage, I think. Um, something else we might want to just reflect on is the reality that the woman is the only one who is brought in front of all these men, because there will be all men who are there doing this. Um, and none of the men's sin is exposed, even by Jesus. So... He, Jesus doesn't start picking people out and saying, well, I know what you did, and I know what you did, and I know what you did, and, and identifying those things. He just, um, you know, essentially appeals to their conscience. Um, I think it's actually fascinating that then uh, the next thing that happens, um, it says in verse eight that once again, he bent down and wrote on the ground. When they heard it, they went away one by one, beginning with the elders, Okay, so I think this is kind of interesting, too, because my my assumption is, is that if you had a crowd like this, and someone said, let, you know, whoever is without sin cast the first stone, I actually think a bunch of people would just start throwing stones, like, because they would believe that they're without sin. So there's actually, like, is this their conscience, or is this their wisdom, understanding? Oh, yeah. Um is it also, well, we haven't been able to trap Jesus. I think it's important as well that it says beginning with the elders or that might be official elders, or that might be just those who are older in the crowd and have some wisdom and realize, Oh yeah, we are, we are all, uh, none of us are blameless. Like we all make mistakes. We all mess up and we can't single out this, this one person. And, um, So this terrible situation that has been created where she's been singled out, the man that she was with has not been um, identified as doing anything wrong, um, when in fact uh, he has as well. And and then this group of men who is basically, they're basically exerting their power and legitimizing that with scripture, um, which we still see people doing those kinds of terrible things in various ways. Um, and Jesus essentially is putting a stop to that, uh, not by saying, Hey, this woman is like a model citizen. She's just fantastic. Like you, and also not by saying, well, you know what? She didn't really do anything wrong. No, no, no. He just says like, look, we're all in the same boat here. Like we're all fallen. We're all sinners. Um, and yet we need to continue to remember that this still, this story still stays within, um, this framework as it seems to be okay to bring this woman in front of a crowd and identify her sin, but it's, it's doesn't, it's not okay to do that for the men, which is, which is pretty awful. Um, so anyway, then we get to the, the point that, that they walk away beginning with the elders and Jesus was left alone with the woman standing before him. Jesus straightened up and said to her, woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? She said, "No one, sir," um, which also could be no one, Lord. Um, and Jesus said, "Neither do I condemn you. Go your way, and from now on, do not sin again." And so, um, the the turn in this with Jesus, which I think is important, is that Jesus is actually Jesus is actually without sin, right? So Jesus doesn't actually. Um, he he's not fall he's not fallen or broken. Um, he's fully human, he's fully divine, but he doesn't actually he, he doesn't actually do anything wrong. Like he is the only human who is blameless, right? And so his first solution to this problem is, you know, whoever is without sin cast the first stone. So and actually Jesus is the only one in that group. Who is without sin. And so then when he says, you know, has anyone condemned you? She says, No, nobody's, they haven't carried it out. Um, and Jesus says, Well, I don't condemn you either. And I think this is actually the message for each of us, right? Where um where Jesus, who is the Jesus is actually the person who could th- could essentially say, you know, if if anyone was going to condemn, if anyone had the right to say, look, I'm perfect and I know what that is and you're not, so I, you're out. Jesus doesn't do that. Jesus says, you know, no, 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 I don't condemn you. So go your way from now on. Do not sin again. Um, and that's where this story ends. So I think, you know, this is a fascinating story. It's a pretty famous story where Jesus um, has... He has compassion on this woman. He sort of calls out the religious authorities. Um, But even just now, as I'm reflecting on it, if you go back in John's Gospel, it seems like Jesus is almost more... um, he, He tries to provoke them more in other stories than in this one. This one, it's almost more like he's doing what he can within the system that exists to protect the woman who is about to be killed or lynched for um, what is perceived in that time to be a, a major crime. And, um, and so Jesus seems to be a little more on the side of protecting or of saving this woman. So there's maybe an analogy for us about Jesus saving us, that, that Jesus, um, you know, if we said about every person, the only one with the right to to throw the stone or to or to basically say you're condemned is Jesus himself, and he doesn't do that. He actually says, "No, no, no, you're not condemned," um, and and then he says, "Go your way and don't sin again. Like try not to uh, try not to keep repeating those patterns." So yeah, there's um, maybe a little less here than in lots of other texts in John's gospel, but it's an interesting one. Um, interpretation history is interesting and why this might be inserted in John's gospel is kind of interesting Um, but yeah hopefully this little reflection kind of got you thinking about a couple of things in uh, this text and we will continue with John 8 tomorrow um, and we'll kind of be back to the regular uh, meat of John's gospel Um, but yeah I think this one's important and important to reflect on as well. So, yeah, I hope this has been somewhat helpful for you and um, maybe sparked a few questions for you that you might want to go look into for yourself. All right. Thanks for joining today. Take care.